Hi, I'm Anthony. And I'm Thane. And you're listening to Runners on Trail, the trail running podcast by mid-pack runners. For mid-pack runners. And in this episode, we're talking about why we ultra. This is Runners on Trail, episode 12. So welcome back, Runners on Trail, episode 12. And in this episode, we're going to talk about ultra running, why it is that people run ultramarathons and why there's been an explosion of ultramarathons in the last few years. I think there's loads more available now than there were two, three years ago. And that's got to be because more people are running them, right? Yeah, I think so. And when I did my first one, what, eight years ago, there were hardly any online. And that was like the South Downs way. And we did it unsupported. And now that's a proper Centurion race. They're oversubscribed every year. You've got to plan your year out almost in advance, certainly for the major races, and register. And there's a whole system of of moving from one ultra up to another to qualify you for another one. Absolutely, I mean, exist. you know, some of these ultra marathons sell out almost as quickly as Glastonbury tickets. Yeah, yeah. It, they yeah, really yeah, do. I yeah. mean, it, it is that bad. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this that were doing ultras like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when it really kind of started. But it has been this kind of exponential, hasn't it? It's really taken off. Yeah. So I ran the Green Man Ultra, which is an ultra marathon around Bristol, about 45 miles. And while I was doing that, I asked people that I was running with why they thought more people were doing ultra marathons than ever. But before I started, I had a chat with a guy called Ali Hubbard, who was doing a double Green Man Ultra. So he ran the Green Man overnight and then finished that first loop sort of half an hour before the race start. Wow. And then for the second half of his double, if you like, or for the Green Man Ultra, he was the 11-hour pacer <laughs> running around. Uh, and this is what he had to say before he started that second loop. So I'm stood at the start of the Green Man Ultra, and I'm stood at Ali Hubbard, who's going to be the 11-hour Time Lord, but he's already gone round the course once, and he's about to go round the course again, hoping to do it under 24 hours. How are you feeling? Um... Uh, apprehensive definitely you, um, you look in great shape yeah I'm, I'm great shape all the way down to my ankles and then <laughs> right. my feet are just bruised really yeah it's really really tough out there yeah so, you, you said it's cold out there today it, it's cold and the course hasn't seen any rain for a long time so I'm used to running around it in mud it's lovely and soft my feet are never a problem today they're just bruised well look mate best of luck everyone's rooting for you Cheers. have a good run thank you so we started the race and I was in a bit of a dilemma. The Green Man was being rerun, if you like, or had been rescheduled because of the snow in March. It was cancelled. Yes. And I'd always intended to run around with the 10-hour pacer. And for this rerunning, they had a 9-hour pacer, an 11-hour pacer and a 12-hour pacer, but they didn't have anyone pacing 10 hours. Ah. So did I run with the 9-hour pacer or the 11-hour pacer? That's a tough decision. Yeah. Very and the biggest, different speeds. Yeah, and the biggest worry for this one was because it's not a, mark, a, tr- a marked course specifically for the race. It's run on a, a trail, but that isn't brilliantly marked. Yeah. And so you need to know the course and be able to navigate it. And they give you brilliant instructions, but it's a big navigation book to run around with. And so my biggest worry was the navigation. But you'd given me your handheld GPS map yep. with the course plugged into it. And so I decided to start with the nine-hour runner. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't actually have to use it. But if I couldn't keep up, I then switched to navigation on that because I really thought I could run round quicker than 11 hours. Yeah. And so I started the run and hooked up fairly quickly with a guy called Ollie and got chatting to him. And if you think your training is tough and you're doing tough runs, 
have a listen to what Ollie's doing. So running along on the Green Man Ultra, we are, what's that, just over 6k in in 40 odd minutes, and I'm running next to Ollie. And for those of us who think that we're runners, okay, we are not runners. Ollie is a runner. Tell everyone what you are doing. Well, not everyone is a runner, but I'm just doing uh, for charity, uh, running minimum of 10k a day for a year. 10k a day for a year. That is ridiculous. How are your legs? Yeah, yeah, no, touch wood, they'd be fine. This, this will be a tester. Um, so I started off at midnight on New Year's day, and I'll be finishing at midnight on New Year's Eve. So it'll be a complete, complete year. So. And if people want to give money to you, yeah, just, just giving. So it's uh, just giving. And my name is Ollie Tollit, T O L L I T. And any donation would be uh, appreciated. Fantastic, mate. Well done. Thank you. So there you go. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. That's a lot of running. That's a lot of running. Big and look, it's coming up to Christmas and money can be tight for a lot of people. I appreciate that. But Christmas is also a time for giving. And I don't think many people are more deserving of it than Ollie, who is putting himself out there to raise money for Alzheimer's. So get onto his Just Giving page. Uh, it's Ollie, O-L-L-Y, Tollit, T-O-L-L-I-T. And if you can, just give him a couple of quid. His last run, he's going to finish at midnight on New Year's Eve into New Year's Day, having started at midnight right. okay. at the beginning of 2018. Ollie, you're an absolute star uh, and an absolute inspiration, I think. That's brilliant. That's a huge commitment to keep doing that. Well, he had to run 10k the is, day yeah. after Green Man Ultra. Yeah. And he yeah. did. I had a quick chat with him online <laughs> and he'd just gone out and done a very painful 10k, Fantastic. but he did it. And I think that's amazing. My brother in Canada was trying to get us just to do it for one month, and we were like, "Nah, not doing that." Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, for a year. exactly. Just running thirty minutes a day for a month, I knew I wouldn't achieve. So there yeah. you go. So anyway, having had a chat with Ollie, I then started asking some people why they ultras we ran, and the first time I spoke to was a guy called Jim. So I'm running along in the Green Man Ultra, and I'm talking to Jim, and he works at Moti, the running and other stuff shop in Bristol. Uh, He's completely sponsored by Innovate today. There you go, that's a plug for them. Um, and I just asked him why he thinks that ultra running has really taken off in the last few years. Jim. Well, 26 miles was just too short for some people. So they, you know, wanted to push themselves further and further along. And once you get past, say, I don't know, 30 miles, the training doesn't really make any difference. So why not just continue to run more and more? see how far you can push yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, I did it as a challenge, and here I am. But why now? Why do you think it's taken off in the last three or four years? What's... I mean, you've got a, big, a lot of big names out there who are uh, really paving the way for people like me uh, to, to be able to run, uh, to be able to set goals for myself, and uh, really just, I, you know, that ambition, that drive, and a lot of people look up to others and when you have a group and a camaraderie you're easier to push yourself that's what I like so Jim works for Motti which is one of our running shops in Bristol isn't it it is yes and they're a really great running shop and they have a really good range of trail shoes as as, as much good as you get anyway in in most running shops but also lots of good running clothing and stuff like that Yeah, yeah yeah really good guys Innovate had literally provided him with a load of kit and said go run in this kit and tell us what you think about it I should work in a running shop. (laughs) Free kit is always good. But it was really interesting what he said, that once you've trained for a marathon, 
you don't need to train that much more to run an ultra of any length because you just physically can't do that much more training. Yeah, yeah. And you might do slightly more volume if you're doing ultras. Well, I mean, I don't, but... but that's because you, know, you, do right. you don't do any training. I don't do, you don't do enough full stop. But you're right, you can't, you can't go out there and do like a 45-mile run just to get into the zone to be better at ultras. It's basically the same, same training, isn't it? I think so. I well, think the only thing about being an ultra runner, maybe, is you probably go out and do bigger, slower runs maybe at a weekend. I don't think there are many people who run marathons who do what we used to do, which is go out and run 23 miles up and down hills. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when I just said, denied that it's, it's roughly the same training. It's not. It's more varied. But yeah. it's, it's not. But it's not longer. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I think that the problem for all of us is time, isn't it? Yeah. I think we probably could run a bit more, but it's just getting that time to yeah. do that. Too much in life. Yeah. Yeah. And as... Gary Robbins said in our last podcast, getting a big run in at the weekends and a little bit of consistent running the week is what you need. But that's all you need. Yes. Really, to get you through an ultra. The rest of it, as we all know, ultras are 90% mental and the other 10% is mental. Yes. Especially the longer distances, the longer it gets, the more and more mental they become. And that's kind of that bit that Jim said then about it being a challenge. Yes. And th- that is one of the callings of it, isn't it? And, and, and you can also kind of like the, there's so many different types of ultra i mean you've got the hundred milers your centurion ones you've got for example then longer ones maybe that are more like diagonal to foo like in reunion island and stuff which is a hundred miler but realistically it's going to take you 48 hours to do it you've got yeah spines and really long ones you also got more sporty ones so there's a whole variety there's a i guess if you're doing marathons as a challenge they're pretty well much very similar on the road but in the trail and ultra, there's like a whole menu of different kind of experiences and challenges to go. And you can't approach one in the same way that you'd approach another. You can't approach a 50 miler in the same way you would have approached a 200 miler. Absolutely. Yeah, you're completely right. And that variation, I guess, keeps it interesting for us. There's all this kind of, you know, that why it's become popular is possibly linked into the people that are now doing it. There's some famous people coming out of it. I mean, obviously, there are some huge names. Killian Journey. Exactly. You know, Double Everest. That's newsworthy in its own right. You yeah. Know. Um, um DeWalter, you know, beating men. You know, comp- there aren't many physical sports where women equally compete with men. But I think absolutely people like Courtney DeWalter are proving that isn't the case in ultra running. Yeah, when it gets certainly when it gets to the longer distances, um, and like she won what's it Moab two forty and yep. things like that. She in a couple of uh, two hundred milers. And these was, aren't you know she didn't go out and run some small insignificant race with a, a low grade value field in it. And no, it. no, these she won races. a proper famous race with top quality male opposition. Yeah. And beat them. Yeah, and and I think that was that was a really interesting story, wasn't it? It was Moab two forty, I think when. It kicked off, I Don't think, it. because it, it, and she did it with one minute sleep during the whole event. I mean, she tried to sleep longer. She couldn't. So she just took the one minute. So there's all these things that made it a really interesting newsworthy story. And I know it might not have got much publicity over here, but in America, it was really big story. And, 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 and there's been, there's been lots of others, you know. Well, the one I mean, recently in topical. the UK. Yeah. The one recently in the UK that came up was the runner who breastfed her baby on the way around UTMB. Yeah. And it's not the first time that's been done. Mm. Uh, in UTMB specifically, there's been uh, other mothers that have breastfed, but the rise and change in the way that media works in yes. the world now made it that much more accessible to other people to see. Yeah. And 
I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see in sort of two or three years time once people have got enough points to enter UTMB having seen that got motivated gone out done some runs got the UTMB points a massive explosion of UK entrants based purely on that one piece of media yeah because it was big it was big here yeah yeah and I, 10 years ago really the kind of Facebook uh, I mean you know live people are live streaming on Facebook whilst they're running and things now yeah I mean they couldn't do that a few years ago well no I mean when I finished 50 miler at Squamish mm. and recorded Gary Robbins his first line was are we live yeah <laughs> I mean you know so there was an expectation that that was clearly possible and wouldn't have been unexpected yes and there is that bit now that filming and capturing images of ultras which by their nature if you're going to do a trail ultra and it's 100 miles and it's got to be on trails in the countryside therefore means it's probably a fair distance away from you know urban places yeah that's only really been possible with the rise of lightweight easy to use recording equipment yeah 10 years ago if you wanted to broadcast you needed the itv crew there in a in, in, or you a, run a, in you a imagine bus. running around with a high eight camera and, and then how do you share that to people because you've got to put it online it just doesn't work and so. now and there we were on spine fusion and one of the competitors was live streaming facebook from hut one in the middle of the cheviots and there i was you know going out live hut one in the cheviots oh i see the first time Sorry. yeah yeah you know there we were online and there were people watching and it was like two o'clock in the morning or whatever and there you are on facebook so i think that's the point is that you don't go and do something until you know about it yeah it's now becoming more famous, so more people are doing it because they're learning about it and they didn't yes. really know it existed yeah, before. It's out there now. It's it's yeah. It's thing. And is now a good time to talk about the challenge element and the changing dynamics of stuff, or do you want to leave that till later? We do a bit of it now. So, uh, you know, I've been running for years. There's a bit that says that 20, 30 years ago, mar- doing a marathon was a unique-ish thing. Not many people had run marathons. Mm. Lots and lots of people have run marathons now. Yeah. And I think there was a bit where you were a part of a club that wasn't that exclusive anymore. And people then moved on to trying to do something else that was new and was a bit more exclusive. And I think Iron Man was possibly the next iteration of that. And I think that now there's lots of people that have done Iron Man. Yeah. And therefore people are moving on to something else. And Ultra is the the next element of that. Something that not many people have done mm. that seems challenging. And people want to do it so they've done something a little bit unique. Yeah. So interesting points from Jim. Mm-hmm. And then I carried on running and had a chat with Vic, who was across from America and was taking on the Green Man, which was very different from the stuff he'd run on in America. Somebody said it would be a great way to see Bristol. Oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> it is. So run along with Vic. He's from America. He's used to groomed lovely trails <laughs> and stuff like that. And we're doing the Green Man Ultra. Ron, just tell me what you just said about why people oh. are now starting to run ultras. <laughs> it's a lovely way to, uh, what's the right word? I use lovely, a pretty sure. See the, see the countryside and uh, see the coastal trails, to be honest. That's how I got started doing some of the coastal trails. And amazing scenery. <laughs> so, but what did you just say about running ultras? Uh, you lost me. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. You, you, you said it's easier than running marathons. Easier than running marathons? Is that what I said? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know what? It's slower. It's uh, it's less stressful. You're there more to enjoy it. Yeah, better for old men. Exactly. Well, I wonder if that bit is that we're all older runners who've done running in our youth, 
and now don't want to smash ourselves around really hard courses anymore. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is not that this isn't hard, but it's yeah. tarmac it's a running type of hard. We can't keep up with it. Tar tarmac running versus trail running is yeah. completely different. Yeah. yeah, much easier. So, you know, Vic was across loving running in the UK, very different trails than he was used to in America. Yeah. Uh, I think we have a bit more texture. <laughs> Potentially than they They're more there. groomed, as yeah. you say, in, um, in the US. But I think his bit was that he gets to see stuff. You know, you get to see a bit of the world. Potentially, you wouldn't get to see otherwise. That's definitely a, a, a draw for me. I mean, when I'm looking at races, thinking, where do I want... What, you know, it was for Transvolcania. The views and stuff were incredible. I want to go back to Reunion Island. Um, I've been there before through work. Um, didn't really get to see enough of it. And I want to go back and see it a beautiful place to go and, and I think half of the runs I want to do are, are based on where they are and what I'm doing to experience let's face it I'm not going to go to Mars in my lifetime unfortunately so <laughs> it's terrible. but I want to see bits of the world don't you you want to see different things that would be an ultra that would be an ultra and a half and I think you get to see a bit more when you ultra and we will get into this but there is a bit about you run a bit slower as he said yeah and as you get older I think I feel less impetus to try and get the best time, the mm. best, best time. Mm. I want to do a good time. Yeah. I don't want to do a time that I think I could have done much better in. Yeah. But at the same time, if I get to the end of a race and think I could have gone 10 minutes quicker. Yes, but I wouldn't have got to stop and sit down and look over that amazing vista and just drink it in. Yeah. The race itself in my head would be poorer for having not had those breaks and yeah. taken that time. And I know we all take phones with us because we can't have to do a safety item, but take photos yeah <laughs> absolutely and you want to record it don't you yeah you're absolutely right I, I would never stop on a road marathon and take a photo <laughs> it would be a very dull photo anyway but well maybe but but really interesting so the Snowdonia Marathon recently yeah beautiful countryside the place is amazing there's some great views and I thought at one point oh photo and I thought no 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 keep running keep running that there is it's a different mentality yes and I don't know why but it just is. Yeah, I, th I think there is something that... I'm going to say, is, is relaxed the right term? It's something about... Because of the distance. I know we, it's not... We're not talking just about ultras. talking about trail runs. So it might not directly apply to both. But but certainly in the ultras, you can't run at the same pace. You've only got so much energy in your body. You, you know, there's this whole 20 hours kind of before you hit the wall. Most ultras and trail marathons go on far longer than that. So you, you have to take 20, on... 20 miles, you mean? Oh, sorry, 20... Well, I say 20, 20 hours. Oh, 20 hours, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, 20 miles, you hit the wall. You've only got like 3,000 calories in your body. Um, uh, uh, so you need to take on energy. You need to refuel. And therefore, when when's the best time to do that? Well, you know what? Let's walk all the uphills because uphill, you're only going to be going fractionally quicker. Um, uh, and therefore take their time to, to, to onboard energy, save energy and, and get going again on the, the flats and the downhills. So there is something about you will be doing it slower. Yes. Because humanly, you can't keep going at that breakneck pace. I think that's the point that it also it's so it's not just about running. Mm. And there is that bit that comes into it that the race becomes more than just a run. And so yeah. it's something you've talked about before. And I think something you enjoy a lot is the logistics and the planning and making sure that you get that bit of the race right yeah and that can be a great leveler mm. in a race the mm. person who plans the race works out how hard they should be running make sure they've got the right nutrition they sleep at the right time on something like spine and yeah. getting the right amount of sleep can elevate you well above the person who potentially is a much more capable runner yeah but hasn't 
run the race in the right way and planned it and, and done it correctly. Yes, there's a lot of elements to it, isn't there? Equipment, planning, mental fortitude, how you get through aid stations. I know, I know on triathlons, getting through the, the transitions is important, but correct. But it, it, you can lose a heck of a lot of time. And even going back to spine fusion and seeing how long I took in aid stations, I could take like six hours off my time by just being more efficient through the age of checkpoints even though there were only five of them <laughs> and if you watch Stephen Cousins videos one of the things he, he continually berates himself on his videos of as he comes out I spent too long in that A station yeah. I spent too long in that A station yeah there is a bit about as you say that discipline of getting in and I have a little I have a little routine in an A station I know exactly I do the same thing every time I get in fill up my bottles six them in my face and walk off with food in my hands and walk out the first bit to stretch my legs out having stopped for a few minutes yeah it's a very sensible way of doing it but again as you say it's about planning yeah and, and, and knowing where the aid stations are so you don't mess up as we have both done correct <laughs> but I've not have done in the planning correct beforehand um, knowing how to pace yourself where to run where not to run yeah uh, having good maps and stuff like that it's really important and all of that I think leads you to having more fun and making it more enjoyable mm. I genuinely enjoy my trail running because I don't feel under pressure yeah and if you're well planned as we've talked about before you take out that element of uncertainty that causes stress and therefore means you don't enjoy it as much mm. And one of the reasons I think it's more fun is because more things happen. You're out there longer. You're in different kinds of environments. Stuff happens or it happens to you. That generates more stories. And on a podcast I listened to, a guy was saying that he he chooses the races where he knows he's going to collect stories. Because that's what's really important in human existence is kind of stories. And, you know, you best communicate, you know, in business through telling a story, for example. Yeah. And therefore you are definitely collecting stories it's harder to make a story out of a or out of a short road run well, other than saying well this is the time i did and this is my pbs which is which is cool don't get me you know done it myself but you you always get those really interesting things that happen to you and and even if i'd run the same race as killian journey and he would have done it in like half the time i would have done possibly even quicker we would have probably had similar experiences and yet, if I'd run a, a road marathon, the winner isn't going to isn't going to have the same experience that I would necessarily have had. Yeah, just what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. But also, there's a bit of I think ultras at the moment because there's less of them or people, less people run them. Those stories are more unique. Yeah, and that's what's made them more stories. You don't hear that many stories anymore about marathons. Whereas twenty years ago, sometimes you saw about a marathon. You'd be yeah, gross true, true. because everyone's done them now. They're Everyone less of it. a story. Yeah, yeah. So I'd started running with the nine hour time lord. Yeah. And it went really well. And I felt really good. Mm. Was in the zone. Uh, the guy that was running as the nine hour time lord can run a wet green man ultra in seven hours and 20 minutes. Wow. Fast. Yeah. That's really fast. So he was having to hold himself back. He had loads of layers on because it was cold. He was running in a sweatshirt and a coat or whatever. I'm thinking, <laughs> goodness me, you must, you must be boiling. But I guess he was just running at such a slow pace compared to what he's usually running. We got to the first A station and he sort of went in and out in a minute. He'd not really done... Um, <laughs> time lording or, or, or pacing before and uh, I think he almost maybe forgot that we were all with him and that we're all sort of chasing him out trying to put b- rack sacks back on and taking coats off and eating <laughs> food but his pacing was really good uh, mm. and ultimately he came in and just under nine hours so that was really great but after we left A station one I was just chatting to a group and we suddenly find ourselves stretching ahead of the nine hour pacer oh. and I thought right what do I do do I stay with him because he knows the route yeah. inside out but I had the confidence of knowing that I had that GPS that you'd lent to me, that if all went horribly wrong. And so I stayed with this small group that was pushing ahead, which included Ollie and someone called Anna Lee, who only started running a few years ago. Right. And the green man was her first ultra. Okay. 
So, but she's run bits of the course before, and um, I asked her why she thought people were getting more and more into ultras. So, we are, what, oh, 23k into the Green Man Ultra. I'm like Sir Anley. The question I've been asking everyone who's been running around today is, there's been like this explosion of ultra running in the last few years. Why is it now? Why are people starting to run ultras doing? Why do you run ultras? Because I'm older and slower. You know what? That's a bit of a, a theme going on there. Maybe it's because we're all runners. People took up running in our 20s and 30s, doing faster stuff, and now we can't run anymore. No, not you, no. <laughs> I started at 44. Wait, but so you've been doing it a year? Yeah, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> 40. I'm 48 on Monday. But that's what it is. Do you think it's because it's a more gentle, relaxed, enjoyable way of running? The people that run ultras are nice. When you get to a marathon start, you don't get the social side. People are often, it's all very selfish. Yeah. I think Ultra Runner brings communities together, people, all walks of life. And it's just a social thing. So that was interesting. There was the, mm. the bit that I think is a, an enduring theme about people that are older don't necessarily want to thrash themselves, run harder. Yeah, and it's a slower, it's a slower race. It has to be. Correct. And therefore, you've got more community she was focusing wasn't it well and I think as well I think she just felt that there's in a road race it just doesn't seem to be that sense of camaraderie and chatting and Mm. talking to each other and being friendly that there is when you're running a trail or an ultra marathon and I think I've seen that when I ran Snowdonia recently when I spoke to people people were okay about engaging with me but I could see them looking Mm. at me slightly funny like why is this bloke talking to me and they just race we're trying to we're trying to race we're trying to get our best time and maybe is that bit about ultra running or trail running because it doesn't feel like that because it's yeah. not all about the time and of course because you've got to run slower at the pace of chat mm. to endure the whole thing yes that enables you to have those conversations and you've got longer to do it yes you have and there's something around is, is it partly because it's if, if you if you're doing a shorter race even at kind of four hours you know as a, as a, as a kind of a road marathon say you you're just pushing yourself harder so you can't chat if you're doing a trail marathon then typically a trail marathon for us rather than like four hours would be six seven and therefore you are so and you're normally taking in like four thousand feet of vertical ascent as well probably or something like that yeah definitely that that slows you down even though it's the same distance in inverted commas it's not it is a slower thing even on a trail marathon you end up walking the hills normally don't you so yeah and and as you said that gives you that opportunity for those conversations mm. and there's more to talk about as well isn't it there's this kind of thing that, oh that stream crossing oh you know well that you know oh that hill coming down there where's what are you going to say if you're running around the middle of a city i mean wow that building was really cool you're not <laughs> Well, you could. I mean, so, and there are maybe bits of the London Marathon where you do true, that. There would be, yeah, but, the, the big but ones. But you're right. I, I think that's an exact point. And you develop friendships over those times. I mean, you, you keep in contact with people. Yeah, it's like from Cotswolds Way Century last year, um, Marcin and Andrew. And I've met, we've met them. And Andrew came down to see us at the start of Thames Path 100. Yep. Um, said hello to us. Marcin came and paced me at the back end of that one. Yeah. And he knew I was having problems. And he got up and got out earlier to come and help me along. And that's from the basis of on Cotswold Entry last year. We didn't run the whole thing together. We just ran together with both of them for like five hours. Well, probably a bit more than that. But, you know, it's amazing that you can generate that level of friendship from having a shared experience that might have only been six hours long. Yeah. And you've got that connection. And maybe there's also a level of understanding and you know what races they've done. Maybe that's partly through technology again, because you can link in with people that much easier than you used to be able to. Yeah. 
but but you do have that that kind of like, oh what what races are you doing next oh i'm doing this one this one oh that's really cool I, you know i was thinking of doing that and i don't know there is something more to i can't believe i would do a a road race and generate that kind of level of connection or friendship no but i wouldn't want people to think that we're putting down roman as a being unfriendly i think there i'm sure in fact that there are plenty of road running clubs mm. that have got a fantastic social scene and are great sociable people but i think when it gets to the runs mm. they the focus they focus on the run maybe that is that and, partly it it's the fact that it's the club aspect because when you're doing road running you probably are part of a club or might be yeah yeah triathlon you're probably part of a club uh, and therefore you get the social aspect in the training side of it whereas in trail running really it's difficult normally to hook up with people for training well certainly there aren't so that the, many clubs it's almost like the club is part of the race maybe yeah absolutely maybe and I'm sure like. perhaps our view would be different if we lived in the Lake District and were members of felon trail running clubs of which there are plenty up in that area yeah because they race hard but yeah. they, they party hard as well <laughs> yeah. which we know <laughs> But they've, they've got that social aspect going outside of just the runs. And maybe that is it. Who knows? I mean, yeah. these are all just mm. questions yeah, yeah, and points yeah, yeah. for but, us. But I guess as, as human beings, whether, whether we're into road running, triathlons or ultra running, it would be wrong of us to suggest that there isn't communities in those other sports. That's correct. But they don't necessarily come out in the event. Maybe. That's the kind yeah, of I think you're probably right there. Yeah. So that was at 23 kilometres. Yeah. How were you feeling? How did it pan out from there? I felt really good. Mm. Really, really good. And it was really good weather. I mean, the weather was almost perfect. You could almost have possibly say it was a little bit warm later on in the day. But other than that, it was absolutely perfect conditions for running mm. the Green Man. And even the bits that traditionally never, never, never get dry. So there's the bit around Kenshin where we were then, where there's a sort of space where they pen some cows up and you have to go through it. And if you watch the Green Man version of the Hitler downfall video, where they talk, they talk about, you know, and you're knee deep in cow shit even before you've got to Canesham at 23 kilometres you know that bit was completely solid and that's unreal because when I went through it I know it's a bit wetter when I did it earlier in the year but that's renowned for being awful you cannot avoid this like one 80 metre yeah. 60 metre section and it's just where the cows are kept and it's like it's, it's down to your kind of almost up to your yeah. knee yeah. and there people is... hanging off the fence to try and avoid falling in the mud well there is a way to avoid it which I'd, I've been told about as I was running around is you can run the other side of the hedge and there's a hole in the hedge you can get through to avoid uh, that okay. bit but okay. uh, we didn't have to we just ran straight through wow Fair. and we got to a station two and we're in and out of there before the 30 miler which starts from a station two and carries on to the end started and before the nine hour time lord had even got in there okay. so we'd sort of stretched ahead and never saw the nine-hour time lord again for the rest of the run, to be fair. Wow. What did happen then after that second aid station was that Annalie and Ollie and a few others stretched ahead of me. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't keep up. And what I then ended up doing, though, was once I sort of recovered a bit, was looping past them and they'd loop past me. Okay, so you did the bouncing And that happened and for most of the yeah. race until just before the end when they stretched away from me. Yeah. Um, and beat me by about 10 minutes. We'll get to how quickly I finished later on but it's probably possibly the best run I race I've ever managed to do it was a good time we'll come on to that so I carried on but because I was then looping past them and not running with them I didn't get to do uh, really any more recordings okay until just after I left the last aid station when I hooked up with a guy called Louis who didn't quite know the navigation at the end mm. uh, and hooked him with me because I had the GPS running that you'd given me at this point so I knew where I was going he was different from the other people mm. I spoke to because he's really young 
yeah, the rest of us. He's mid-twenties, doing a postgrad at uh, university in Bristol. And his reasons for doing the Ultra, I think, were subtly different than they mm. were for the rest of us. Mm. So we have gone through the last checkpoint on the Green Man Ultra. And the time's looking pretty good, actually. Um, walking along with Louis. Louis, why are you doing this today? And why do you think people run ultras? I think uh, people run ultras for a, a plethora of reasons. Um, I think people like to compete and points, go for the bigger races. Um, but me personally, I like to just compete through a few smaller races. And uh, I like being motivated, staying motivated. And I like keeping extremely fit. So, um, yeah, but they're great and great fun to do. I cannot believe that nearly seven and a half hours into an ultramarathon, you use the word plethora. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just about dragging my feet along, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> but your brain's clearly still very yeah, agile. Yeah. So look, that was Louis. Interesting how I think the competing, mostly with himself, I think, from the way that he said it, but that element of challenge and competing... Yeah seemed much more dominant in him than it is for the older people who were doing it more for, I don't know, the journey and the fun. Yes, yeah, for sure. I mean, those reasons for competing are there for us, but they're much, much further down the list, aren't they? Yeah. Whereas he is very much into the, I want to compete, I want to develop my fitness even further, I want to be ultra fit. And I get that, because that's yeah. kind of where, you know, with Transvolcania and stuff, that's kind of the approach we kind of had for that one wasn't it it was yeah. like you know sporty mode I'm going to do it and I, I totally get that that's a, you know he's doing it from the perspective this is ultra marathons this is a this is a new way to differentiate and be good and the rest of it and it was only his second ultra mm. and I only say that because when I did Transvolcania you're absolutely right that was my view and it was as I ran Transvolcania having done a few other runs mm. that it slowly dawned on me over those 12 and a half grueling hours <laughs> that it wasn't just about competing and getting it done it was about the experience of running and not in the pain experience but the views and mm. being part of something that was amazing and that's how it felt and enjoying the run and the joy of it yeah rather than the working hard to get a really good time and that's not to do with, that's not maturity or wisdom or anything else that's just through having done more runs yeah yeah it doesn't matter what age you are you would have yeah, probably had a bit of that journey as well exactly that and experience. that's where i've got to but I think I, I relate to how he was because in my mid-twenties, I was much more driven in that competitive way. And mm. whether it was challenging myself or against other people, mm. I just don't care as much now <laughs> about winning. I just don't. It's but also we're getting older. So yeah. you know, general, generally speaking, you're not, you're not going to be as fast as you were earlier. No. Not I'm, true if you took up running at a later stage. And I think I potentially could still be faster than I've ever been going forwards. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever be quite that training. quick. But I guess because I know there's no way I'm ever going to win anything anyway, so it becomes less important for me. Yeah. Not because we want to be mid-pack. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I don't, but there is that I'm bit. happy with it. But. Yeah, I mean, it is about competing with yourself now mm. as much as it is about other people. But it's then, you know, what does competing mean to you? And yeah. what do you ultimately want from the run? What's When you finish the run, what's going to give you the most satisfaction? Yes. And if it's going to be that great time, then that's great. I've got no... I have yeah. no issue with people trying to get the very best time they can. But alternatively, if you want to be able to get to the end and go, I had a nice gentle jog. It took me however long it took. And mm. I enjoyed stopping and looking at the views and things. Then that, that's good too. Yeah. It's like uh, quite often here, he's Carl Metzer, uh, you know, the speed goat, for example, mm -hmm. and him and a number of people on, on other podcasts saying quite frequently that, you know, the race is actually 
or the experience of the race is really happening with the mid pack and the back of pack runners. That's where it's that's where it's going down. Yeah, that, that's that that's that's the kind of the spirit of the race is back there at the front. They're racing hard. That that that's the runners' end of the race, and the rest of the rest of it. That's that's where you know that's where the flavour of the race is developed. I, I I think you're right. I think the story of the race is at the front. That's the race. It's yes. a race. Yeah. The story of the challenge and event is happening in the mid pack. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where people are struggling. I mean, a lot of people, people at the front are obviously struggling and struggling in a different way. People at the back are struggling, right? How am I going to finish? How am I going to do this? You know, yeah. they're, you know, dealing with different demons and people at the front normally are, have come from maybe a professional background or they're very driven to be an athlete. Yeah. With the people in the mid and the back are maybe more, I've got a hard job. I'm balancing it, you know, balancing with looking after kids. I got this. I do what I can, but I really, I know I want to do this and I'm going to do it the best way I can. You know, they're, they're, they're balancing all that out and yeah. talking to other people and stuff. Yeah. So then after we carried on with Louis, we pushed on through Bristol, got to Ashton Court where the race starts and finishes from, had my photo taken with the green man, yeah. Big Rock, and then pushed on to the finish. I'd texted my wife to tell her what time I thought I'd finish. <laughs> I got to the finish. She wasn't there because she, she didn't believe, believe I could run it that quick. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so I can believe you could run it that quick. No, and I crossed the line in eight hours, 39 minutes. Amazing uh, time. Which really amusingly for me, they've just adjusted what they call the Hall of Fame entries to eight hours and 40 minutes. Wow. So I'm just, just creeping to the Green Man <laughs> Hall of Fame. such a great time. Uh, yeah, it's the best race I've ever run in terms of, mm. I think, how well I ran it and speed. Mm. From expectation, I've been able to do it in 10 to do 8.40. Is a, yeah, that's great. But I think the conditions, as I said, played a, a big helped. part in that. Yeah. And next year, interestingly, they're going to run the summer and a winter version now. So it used okay. to be the winter, the winter and a summer version. And if you do them both, you can get yourself a belt buckle yeah. with different buckles for different cumulative times. Yeah, I saw that online. Yeah, which I think got, is quite cool. I yeah, quite yeah, like that. Good... Um, they give different medals out of the finish for how far up the field you come yeah. rather than times, yeah. which is quite interesting and different from a race. And I quite like that. Yeah. I mean, I guess it is adding a competing and challenging element. Mm. But I think I still like that. It's quite nice. There um, are some races I'm looking at next year, not biggie ones, but we're about 50 milers and stuff and one of the reasons for some of them is because wow that's a cool medal yeah <laughs> well yeah. And, and, and it's a cool run as well but it's like oh that'll be a nice bit of bling but you know and that was i guess the truth the same as the squamish cap in the summer it's just that little yeah. bit of different stuff yeah so i got to the finish um and at the finish i got to talk to chris Bloor. now chris is the guy who originally invented what was the green man challenge which is the course around bristol and which the company have now taken and turned into these two events of the Green Man Ultra yeah. races. And at the finish, he stands there and hand signs each certificate for each runner and writes their time on, yeah. which I think is really lovely. And I asked him in between signing certificates why he thought trail running and ultra running had become so big now. And this is what he had to say. So I'm here talking to Chris, um, who is, is the godfather of the Green Man Challenge that's now been turned into the Green Man Ultra. And I've just asked him why he thinks there's been an explosion in ultra trail running in recent years. It is because people are more interested in going out into the countryside, in my view, that people, in, in, in previous ages, people have been fine about going road running. And, uh, but that started decades ago. 
And now we're talking about people that, that there are people who did that and got bored with it and want to go out onto the trails and do something a bit different. And but he's also got the children of the people who don't want to do what their parents did, but they are themselves really quite fit and they want to go out and do something that's interesting. But also it puts you in touch with the weather. I think one of the things about doing trail running is you get you go out even if it is chucking it down with rain and it's coming horizontally off the sea and you're getting soaked through or, or well look when this one was cancelled it, it, it because it wasn't really a decision that was made by Steve, it was made by the school that they wouldn't open the school because it wasn't safe. But there was there were loads of people who went out and rode um, and ran it anyway in the snow and um, they really, really enjoyed it. And they, they came back all glowing and enjoying themselves. And have uh, and people would do it because they want to, because they love it. And it also, it helps you. Particularly like this route, because it goes around the city and it goes and describes, it, 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 it makes explicit the relationship between the city and the countryside around it, which people don't realise until they do something like this. So look, there you go. Chris, you know, if, if anyone's got a, an idea of why people should do it, you know, Man's been around running for ages. You know, I call him the godfather of the green man. He really, really is. Yeah. And I love the things that he said. You mm. know, there was the bit about people are getting older and want to do stuff. That, that's been our enduring team. But I love the fact that, you know, his view, and he gets to see a lot of these people, so he'd know yeah. that there are people out there who want to do it because it's different. Their yes. parents were all the road runners, but they want to be do something different. Yeah. They want to be a trail runner. Mm. And then that linking into the countryside, or rather nature... In all its guises, both the trails and the weather. Mm. It is you do very very much live it on the trails, don't you? You're, you're quite often out there in an exposed place. I mean, you are protected maybe in bad weather in a more kind of city or road environment than you are when you're on the top of a hill and it's hitting you in the face. Um, you're out there for longer, so you are going to experience more weather patterns probably, and you're at different altitudes and can different road different trail conditions so you you do feel like you're connecting to mother earth and mother nature and i think it speaks to some of the stuff we've talked about before so i think it speaks to part of our human nature and i've said this before i think we were to use the title of the book born to run yeah and the type of running you do in an ultra on a trail marathon is about as natural as it gets and that's why i think it doesn't feel bad when you're running in the rain Mm-hmm. As, as it does on the road when you're running in the rain on a road it just feels awful and feels I'd just rather be doing this in the dry yeah. when I run on the trails in the rain it's a different experience not necessarily in a negative way it's a different trail it feels yeah. different the yeah. race is different that's a good point and so the weather isn't a hindrance it mm. just makes it more interesting yeah I think so I think this whole thing about hunting animals and stuff as well is that's how we used to that's how we used to eat we used to outrun animals because we can sweat and they can't and, and they would sprint off and if you just keep going eventually they just basically pass out and just stop and you know there's videos online you can see of hunting in africa and that's how they do it yep. it's quite quite interesting and i guess a lot of it is we've in running you know we've rediscovering our our past yes because we you know when the marathons were big news back in kind of like 80s I guess 70s 80s and stuff and the London Marathon I still remember seeing the first London Marathon on the TV when I was, I was a little kid people thinking wow and it's mainly because we'd forgotten in western culture that that's what we used to do and now we're rediscovering that and we're going further and further and going my god you can do a 50 mile my god you can do a 100 mile how is that possible but it wouldn't be any surprise to our ancestors no 
I mean, and this is, again, if you read the book Born to Run, the thing he says in there is the problem of being a sentient being is your body, one part of your brain is telling you to make your life as easy as possible. You don't want to make life hard. Mm. Life was already hard enough mm. as a as a creature without making it harder by running. So if there's an easier way to do something, you do it that easier way. Mm. But that then takes away your natural instinct to run. Yeah. I found that massively on Spine Fusion. When people say to me, well, what was it like? I always say start off by saying the same thing it was an intensely human experience and after a couple of days you really got into it and you know listening back to the episode and stuff it was you know I, I say i don't even know what day it is i was kind of you end up in, end up in a zone it's like where am i going to eat next where where am i going to drink where am i going to sleep and how am i on my journey and am I, I mean, you know where am i going to and and at the end of it i was getting in the last 12 hours quite emotional it was almost like it was coming to an end and this way of existence i knew that 24 hours after that i was probably going to be back in bristol you know having a chat with you and having a pint which was being felt so surreal from where i was and i think it was about a large part of my brain was kind of like switched on which is normally switched off getting quite deep about it i think you know as animals we've evolved from amoeba where it was eat or be eaten and that whole kind of hand-to-mouth existence lasted probably to only a few hundred years ago when we started, you know, farmers and having money. And today we live in a very kind of almost virtual existence. And so to go and do that and get completely connected back in nature for like over spine fusion, like over six, seven days, and actually, you know, it kind of it switched on, like it felt like it switched on huge parts of my brain, which weren't, that aren't there in normal day. You reconnected with your natural state of being. Yes. Um, the only way you could have been more natural is if you'd run it naked. <laughs> Which, by the way, I dare you to do for spine. <laughs> so few people around <laughs> to get away with it. But, but you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's totally back to basics. Yes. And now I'm hunting out. You know, I didn't think I would do the spine. And now I am I am doing the spine because I want to Because you back. want the same experience. I want the same experience. Yeah. I'm looking at like Tour de Jean and some other ones. I'm looking yeah. at shorter ones as well, but you can only so many of the big ones you can do or afford to do. But there's definitely that that thing. And that's maybe maybe attraction for, you know, things like Marathon de Sable and stuff like that. You know, that is, okay, it's, it's kind of more like a series of marathons joined together than, you know, it doesn't float my boat per se. But there again, you do have that whole camp element, element to it as well. And yeah. being part of a team in a tent. And I get that, you know, if it was a bit cheaper, I might give it a go. But yeah. but there is that experience as well. But it's not like doing a marathon, then going and staying in a hotel and then going and doing another one. You yeah. are living in the desert. So I get that. And then the last bit, Chris said, which I loved, and I think we guess we love because we come from Bristol, is the beauty about Green Man, especially, is the connection between the countryside and the city. Yeah. You're running round, but actually what you find the first, whatever it is on Green Man, 30 kilometres, 40 kilometres, is very much in the countryside. Yeah. And then you find yourself weaving into the city where the city has grown and taken yeah. over some of these public footpaths. They've had to put tarmac alleyways through housing estates and through business parks to preserve those rights of way yes and so you find yourself running in and out of the city and back into the countryside very quickly you can yeah. what goes from being very urban to very country and very rural almost in a heartbeat yeah there's one bit where it goes over the m5 isn't it it's, it's city on one side and then farmers fields on the other exactly yeah. and so that interconnection between the two and being able to stand on the top of the hills and see the city. Yeah. And then from in the city, looking up and seeing the hills, that interconnection between the two, yeah, was really interesting. Mm. And it makes it an interesting run. I mean, you know, it is clearly not just mud trails. There is a fair amount of green man where you are running on tarmac 
I, yeah, I think. A, a good 10 miles, I would suggest. Yeah, there's a big bit of three, four miles down an old railway. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, you say you go in and out, Bradley Stoke and now industrial estates and then Clifton a bit. But that didn't make it feel bad to me. No. In, in the opposite way that when I ran Snowdonia, which is a brilliant marathon, by the way, but it felt like a road race with a couple of bits of trail on it. With beautiful scenery. Yes. <laughs> but exactly. you're on the road. You're yeah. on the road. This, while, when I, even when I was running in the housing estates, still felt more more of an adventure. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the right term. That's how it felt at the time. And there's a lot of route, there's a lot of route navigation. That's right, well that's it. the bit, you're running in and out of these things again. like every 200 wow, metres, you're like left, right, left, right. It's really interesting that there's, and you know you're running the history of this public footway that yeah. this housing estate has come into. Yeah, mm. it, 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 this public footpath has retained its right. Yes. And you're kind of exercising that right. And ma- almost, it's going to sound maybe a bit weird, you're validating that pathway's existence. Yes. Through the run. Yeah. Uh, and maybe proving that interconnection. Mm, deep. Mm, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> so look, I think that gets us to the end of some thoughts of why we ultra and why people do ultras. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at runnersontrail at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at runnersontrail. We'll be back in the new year. And the big thing that's coming up, of course, is Thane running spine in January uh, we'll be putting some posts up on Twitter when that's happening so keep yeah. an eye on that and we'll put some links up to the live race tracking and you can all follow Thane's little blip as he <laughs> tries not to freeze to death yeah. running along the Pennine way best of luck mate thank you what I'd like to do is an, is an episode on the kind of training and it means an extension of the training one we did before but maybe taking what we did a bit further and looking at some of the other aspects of training as well that come into it other than just kind of maybe the running bits and stuff and explore some of those other bits mental training and stuff but we'll see and then obviously the race itself is in the middle of January and at that point I'll have found out if I ha- that I haven't got into western states and hopefully therefore I'll have picked something else yeah. or I'll have got into western states and be absolutely terrified and I'm putting in for UTMB soon it's um, going to be a big year it could be, it could be, or it could Well, it could and be. also, um, hopefully we're going to go and train with and hopefully help James Scott do his Bob Graham round, which he's got programmed for the 31st of May. I hope he doesn't mind me calling him out on the podcast. <laughs> uh, so that'll be, that'll be that'll great. Be so I'm really looking forward to um, getting stuck into that. That'll be thing. brilliant. I'm really looking forward to the runs. Yeah. Have a great Christmas. Runners on trail.